Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And we've somehow arrived at the end of another season. How did we do it? We're two thirds <laughs> of the way through the whole thing. That occurred to me yesterday. I was like, wait, what? We're about to record. And just two seasons left? That's impossible. I feel like we started this 20 minutes ago. <laughs> somebody asked us on our last one and we had to think back we're like a year and a half ago what that's crazy it is but that's a good sign because i have enjoyed it the whole time you know how sometimes you commit to something and then halfway through you're like oh no what have i done yeah Uh, like the (laughs) 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 yes like that you can you can keep it i don't care Never. Like, I I look forward to it every time. And it's just been such a good, fun project. And it's, I mean, you've always been one of my best friends, but it like really solidified. I'm like, man, I just love talking to Caleb. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just the sheer amount of talking we've done. Yeah. It's crazy. Who wouldn't get closer? (laughs) Yeah. Amazing journey. It really is. I'm so glad we're not done. Like, I'll be a real wreck when it's the actual last episode. I will too. Yeah. Well, but it's not. It's not. Instead, okay. Okay. it's Parenthood Season 4, Episode 15. Perfect. That was so well because done. Because you're my sister. Ugh. It was written by Jason Kadams, directed by Lawrence Trilling. It originally aired on January 22nd, 2013. And here is the DVD synopsis. Jasmine and Crosby receive exciting news as they plan an anniversary getaway, and Joel and Julia plan an event for the entire Braverman family. Meanwhile, Sarah is forced to make a decision about her relationship with Mark and Hank. That's really short, because I felt like this episode was jam-packed full of stuff. There were like six storylines, yeah. Yeah. Well, here's my first frivolous note. Yeah. Jasmine and Crosby are talking about getting a reservation at Café de Nuit, which means cafe of the night. And I actually knew that because there's a popular French art song called Nuit d'Etoile. I'm sure I didn't pronounce very well, but that means night of stars. So I knew Nuit was night. Beautiful. And I know it. Cafe is cafe, so no, um, it is not a real restaurant. Okay, <laughs> I googled <Okay>. that too. <laughs> I thought that was pretty peak adorable Crosby the way he told her about that. And I'm like, well, that's just precious, yeah. And I feel like we don't get to see a lot of them being cute and sweet with each other, they're always fighting, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's true. They're newlyweds, you know. (laughs) They should be making out on the couch. We don't get nearly enough of that. I'm also amazed, like kind of in awe, at Tina Lifford's ability to say words but mean (laughs) something entirely different from what she said. I just would like you to get me my suitcase, please. Thank you. Good morning, Crosby. (laughs) (laughs) I... Could not love her more. I mean, (laughs) I really think she is a gem and should star in everything. I don't know. It's just, what a perfect mother-in-law. Like, you know, just that. And, 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 you know, I I criticized Crosby calling her, like, calculated and and speaking so slowly, but I'm deliberately. And I'm like, but that's 
that's what she does. And it is (laughs) kind of amazing. I don't know. And yeah, she's, she does irritating really well. And yet I don't feel like she ever crosses the line into like, you love to hate her. No, you can't. At least I can't hate her. No, she's clearly such a good person and so loving her devotion is i mean like crosby said last episode no one questions her devotion to anyone in the family right so it's hard to write her off but she can't get on your nerves a little i also think they really play it so well she never crosses over into like caricature or something you know it's never like like i don't even believe this woman is a person no she is a very believable character i I, very yeah and i just i'm kind of in awe of it yeah it's it's just so well done yeah and i also thought seku was like mvp of this episode i've just got to say everything he said made me crack up everything i i don't know it was his delivery of everything and just you know nothing he said i'm now realizing was really all that funny it was completely his delivery it was just yeah just saying i live in a 700 <laughs> apartment it was like just totally deadpan and it, yeah or the whole fitna debate <laughs> oh my god yeah brilliant or putting help me on the yeah. scrabble it felt <laughs> so real and i'm like oh that's great and i don't know if you noticed this but he just basically stole Jasmine's leftovers. You know, they go over yes. there. And I'm like, how much money did they just spend on this meal? She's probably so excited. If she's anything like me, she's like, I want to eat more of this, but I need to take home exactly half so that I can enjoy this another time. And then my brother just takes them. What? And you can tell she's like, not going to say no to him. Anyway, it just made me laugh. Yeah, he's wonderful. And you said something last week about Crosby and his like instinct to crack jokes, sometimes superseding his sensitivity or something. Like, yeah, that is what I thought in that scene when he and Jasmine were changing the sheets. Oh my god, yes. Hey, do you think that smell is permanent or it's just temporary? What smell? A kind of uh, musty mother-in-law guilt trippy type smell that seems to be stuck in the sheets. Don't be an idiot. Hey. Why are you so upset? She wasn't even that upset. She was hurt. That's why. It didn't read that way to me. Really? That seemed like someone playing the victim. Plus, she would love to be at Seiku's house, and he'd love to have her. Right? You're excited to have your mom. I live in a 700-square-foot apartment. (laughs) Yeah, it's rough. (laughs) I just, like, he was rude to Renee in the last episode, even though I think she was kind of rude to him too. Yeah. He spoke to her in a way that he should not have. But he, now I'm like, now you're just rude to Jasmine. Yeah. Like you can't say, like saying to your spouse, God, isn't your mother the worst? Yeah. No, you don't, you don't, I'm, you... I'm sure she doesn't agree with you. No. I just, I, I couldn't believe that he didn't have any tact. Like, yeah. Crosby, if you feel that way, I get it. I mean, we just discussed how irritating (laughs) Renee can be. And I don't think Jasmine would dispute that. No. But, yeah, you're talking about your wife's mother. Unless you also said last week, like, Jasmine has never been that way to Crosby's parents. And I thought, you know, like, you know, Camille can be a little sanctimonious. 
how would Crosby like it if every time they went over to his parents' house, Jasmine started singing? Thank <laughs> or, you know, his dad could be a little racist. What if she was like, yes. <laughs> you remember that time your dad was like, are you picking them because they're black? What the fuck, Crosby? I feel like she's got more of a leg to stand on, is what I'm saying. And also, his comments have already made Renee feel unwelcome, and she's gone. If I did that, I would feel so guilty. There's no way I would just keep at it, being like, there's this like guilt-trippy smell in here. I, I would just be folding up the laundry, hoping that Jasmine wasn't mad at me. And I'm like... Jesus. Like I, yeah. <laughs> it's it's almost to a point like not to get hyperbolic. I know they love each other and that they're they're doing well. It reminds me a little bit of like how on sitcoms things that are supposed to be funny, I'm just like why are these people married to each other? They hate each other. You know, it's like the 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 nagging wife and the lazy, you know, husband, those gender yeah. roles. And I'm always like I just would not want to be in a marriage like that. And it gets to a point when Crosby's just cracking jokes at, at you know Jasmine's mom that I'm like I would not want to have to make room in my life for that. You know, I'd be like, life is hard enough. You're supposed to support me and I support you. We make our lives better, not worse. You don't always subscribe to that, do you? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when they were out for their anniversary, it looked like such a nice place and they both looked, well, Jasmine looked beautiful. I didn't (laughs) clock what Crosby was wearing. He looked fine. He looked fine. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I thought like, Gosh, how is she supposed to enjoy this when he's just so recently been so rude? And I get that, you know, we're not following them 24 hours a day. Yeah. There are probably other things going on in their life and she can hold more than one thought in her head at a time. But then when she said that she was it was on her mind, I was like, okay, good, because it's on my mind just watching it. It's like, can you really enjoy this evening when I'm sure that you're a little ticked at your husband? Yeah. Absolutely. And there were so many things I loved about this scene, including her explanation of why Crosby's behavior bothered her so much. No, I'm just worried about my mother. I'm sorry. Look, I think her her moving in with Seku is kind of a, a good thing, you know, now that he's helping shoulder the responsibility. It's like in my family, when one of my parents gets too crazy, I just send them on to the next sibling, and I think it's kept all of us alive, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's the same thing. Why you know, not? My mom raised us on her own, and she worked really hard to do that. And with Jabbar, for five years, she was the other parent. You know, she watched him when I was when I was going to school and going to work, and she got up in the middle of the night to feed him. I'm sorry. I just. I hate that she doesn't feel welcome in our home. You know, it's it's killing me. And. I'm not choosing her over you. I just owe her everything. I get it. Anyways, we're going to need her help when the baby gets here. When the who who gets here? We're having a baby. No. You're pregnant right now? Happy anniversary. No, are you kidding? You're pregnant. It was a wonderful scene. No, you're totally right. I think maybe the first thing I really liked about it was Crosby saying the thing about, you know, when one of our parents is crazy, we just pass him down the line. Because I thought that is a nice callback to season one when Zeke really did do that, moved around. (laughs) 
<laughs> and maybe it helps sort of show where Crosby's coming from a little bit, where he's like, why should this all fall to us? That's not how it works in my family, which maybe helps explain, where, you know, yeah. his extreme attitude a little bit. But what were the things you loved? Yeah, yeah. Well, what she said about Renee did it all on her own, and that makes it different. I thought, it sure does. And then I really loved when Jasmine said, I'm not picking her over you. I just owe her everything. I thought it was very generous to say because it wasn't just I'm right, you're wrong. Right. It was an acknowledgement of Crosby's feelings too. Like I can see why you might feel like I'm picking her over you and I don't like that you feel that way. Right. But that is not what I'm doing. I just don't have it in me to be disrespectful in any way to someone who I owe so much to. And and when he said, I get it, I, I don't know, I did too. I was like, that makes sense. I don't know how you couldn't get it. And and it didn't seem spiteful at all. It just seemed like I would feel the same way. Like my parent doesn't feel like they can come to my home. Yeah. Something has gone way off. And then other little things I loved about the scene, like the shot when she mentions the baby, I thought was so well designed because Jasmine leans forward to take a bite and is blocking Crosby so that he can turn to face the camera. <laughs> yeah. And, but we don't see his face until she leans back. Yeah. And so it's a nice little reveal of his like, what? What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is a really smart shot. And then Joy Bryant's switch on happy anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> it was so sharp and hilarious. It really gave me the giggles and like just such a joyful way to reveal that news. And and it was more of that same feeling like in that opening scene when he was talking about the yes. reservation. It's like, oh, they just are having fun. Look, they like each other's company. It's, yeah. This is why they're married. They just <laughs> are a hoot to each other. And, you know, it's it is funny. I think maybe just by the very nature of it being a TV show, they zero in on the drama. But there are little moments where you see how much they enjoy each other's company that aren't even just these sort of big moments, like a big romantic dinner. You know, a moment that I don't think we mentioned in the last episode, Jasmine comes home and Crosby is reading a comic book and she's like, you reading a comic? And he's like, I want to stay relevant in Jabbar's life, you know, or something like that. <laughs> I would have been very charmed by that. And of course they don't linger because then he's like, guess where your mom is buying health food because we don't have any, you know, so it immediately <laughs> switches gears. But, but, you know, they do, they are sure to sort of sprinkle in those little moments as well, which I appreciate. Yeah. Because I might be the only person in the world who's like, do we need conflict on TV? Can't we? just watch everyone be happy i would tune just in hang out yeah there's no conflict on our podcast we just enjoy each other's company i would yeah. watch that i don't know <laughs> well we had some conflict resolution oh nice i love conflict resolution i'm a sucker well what'd you think of this one well look we were at dinner and um we were with a new friend and um, that new friend thought that I, I owed you an apology, and I uh, agree. I'm, I'm sorry that I talked to you the way I did when we were talking about Jabbar, and I, I won't let it happen again. It's okay. And um, so then this new friend wanted to meet you, so now we've, we've brought, brought him over. I hope that's okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Um, they're in here, and uh, we wanted you to be the first to know I'm oh pregnant. <laughs> I freaking love that. It 
made me so happy. I, I feel like I cried a lot watching this one, which I I don't know. I just, I, I teared up just a bunch and that was one of the times. I'm like, this is so And beautiful. it's a super happy episode. Yes, I liked yeah. that. Yeah. And I really, I just thought it was such a respectful thing. I mean, honestly, I think it would have been enough without him apologizing. Just the gesture of coming over and telling her before the Bravermans, what? Yeah. And then at the montage at the end, showing that Renee and not Renee and Camille were there for the sonogram, I was like, this is great. And I truly mean that because it's not like I think Renee should get precedence over Camille or anything like that. But I do think sometimes those Bravermans really are treated like they're the only family that matters. And it makes sense to me that Jasmine would want her mother at the sonogram more than she would want her mother-in-law at the sonogram, you know? And and I thought, this is really nice to see. It's just so rare, you know? Christina is pregnant. Who throws her a baby shower? Camille. You know, it's it's really nice to see the in-laws world to this extent not just a passing reference but look wait, this is who they tell first this is who's there in these yeah. moments yeah and i do feel like for crosby he's got a whole troop that's true and jasmine at least as far as we know had basically has two people yeah in her immediate family i buy that she's just flat out closer to her mother than crosby mm. is to his parents i do buy and that we know crosby loves his parents but yeah. It's Jasmine's right-hand man is her mom. That's beautiful. And I do love that the close family they've sort of portrayed with those three, you know, Jasmine and her mom and her brother, which is incidentally my family too. I really, really love the dynamics. I think that's why I like that scene at the end with the Scrabble and everything so much. I thought this feels as lived in as any Braverman scene. Like it just yeah. really bought that dynamic. It was lovely. And, it and was, on a show that where in-laws are invisible, it's yeah. just really nice to see. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it was kind of cool to see Crosby have to be the one to sort of fit into someone else's world. And I don't know that he's that good at it. Which is why the whole conflict for the last several episodes. But here he was, you know, it was like he was just kind of taking a step back and maybe not needing to be the center of attention like he always does, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I really, I, I clocked that, you know, when he apologized, Renee said, it's okay. I think she accepted his apology, but it was also like, it's not okay. I mean, it's yeah. not okay that he did that, but I get that that's what you say. That's what I think a, a healthy person Gracious person. Yeah, Yeah. they accept the apology. But then when he told her about the baby and she was so over the moon, who did she hug first? Crosby. Crosby. Yeah. And yeah, he was sitting right there. (laughs) But to me, it was like in that moment, she couldn't lie. I think she went right for him because I think she genuinely loves him. I think so, too. I mean, she considers him a part of her family, I think. I think if she really had a chip on her shoulder about that, she would go, oh, and stand up and go hug Jasmine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and she didn't do that. And then I know Crosby and Seku had that little moment of congratulations yeah. too. And I just thought, yeah, you guys are doing all right. You had a hiccup. Yeah. You did the right thing by getting closure to the hiccup and how lucky that you had some nice positive news to really help speed that along. That's true. <laughs> that did a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think you're right. And, you know, it's why I said earlier that I wasn't even sure if the apology was 
as necessary. I think she just wants to know that they love her. And, and, you know, in fact, in some ways, words are just words. You know, when they started that talk about boundaries in the last episode and they were like, we really love having you here. I don't, you know, they didn't, Crosby didn't mean that. And I think he did mean his apology, but still by now she might just be a little tentative, you know, like, well, I don't know if I always believe what you say, but them coming over to tell her first that is a gesture. Those are actions. And I think that is really what made it better. Yeah. Well, in other developments, Drew got into college. Yay. Uh, this is such a happy episode. It yeah. was so nice. God, Miles Heiser, such a good actor. He made that riveting. All he was doing was looking at a computer screen and then having a very quiet reaction of looking so happy and just pleased and a little surprised. And I was like, God, you're good. You're just like, I'm just like yeah. thrilled for you. Like, like it was one of my students finding out, you know, it was just wonderful. I loved that it was such a quiet moment. It reminded me of this terrific song called A Quiet Thing. When it all comes true, just the way you planned. It's funny, but the best I loved that he was by himself Me and it too. felt so right for him. Yeah. And I, I, I relate to that. I'm not great in situations where I'm expected to be visibly demonstrating <laughs> an expected emotion. Yes. I, I, it, I just feel a lot of pressure. And if he had, you know, the whole family crowded around him, then he would have to be ecstatic and right. show them how ecstatic. And yeah, I, I'm like, let me do it by myself. I will tell you later. Also, P.S., according to usnews.com, UC Berkeley has an acceptance rate of 18%. Ooh. So although it is a state school, it is quite selective. That's awesome. Good for him. Well, you know, you saying this about it being right that he was by himself and a quiet reaction Makes me think, there's this like throwaway line that I only caught because of the subtitles where Sarah, as she's like hugging him when he tells, you know, the family, she says something like, way to do the fake out. Like he was pretending he didn't get in, but he did. But I don't think he was doing the fake out. I think that he's just so mild mannered that he's like, uh, hey, everyone. I got Can it. I get a word in edgewise? Right, right. Yeah, I don't think he was pretending like, oh, I'm sad. No, I'm happy. That would be something that a really like, you know, an outgoing person who wants to stage, you know, the yeah. most drama that they possibly can. I just thought that was such a funny comment that she made because I'm like, he's not though. He's just like, yeah. I have news. <laughs> hey, yeah, I got, yeah, I heard so from shit. Berkeley. Um... Yeah, I, I got it. Yeah, I got oh, it. Do the God. Congratulations, oh, grandson. Oh my gosh! Sarah. Oh, you deserve it. Yeah, deserve it. And all that. Oh, we'll so make it work. Don't worry. About That's a good school for you. Don't worry about it. Very what happy. You think? I can't believe Berkeley's it. a perfect school. For yeah. You. You're the first one in our family. Get it, college. Great. It's your first choice. First choice school. I know. Oh my God. Uh, not, not like your failure sister. I know. 
<laughs> that was like echoed all through the episode because another favorite moment of mine was when, you know, Amber and Drew at the end and uh, she's the most gracious person on the planet, by the way. Like, I truly believe that like when she and Ryan were broken up, and she was helping Adam and Christina go on their date that she harbored like no sadness or resentment. She's just like, oh, they're in love. Happiness. Let me help. And then, you know, Drew gets into Berkeley and she didn't. And she's like, oh, how could I be anything but so excited for you? I love you. I'm like, <laughs> you're an angel from heaven. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> But I believe it for some reason. Like it doesn't seem too good to be true somehow. It just seems like she's just very caring and wise. Yeah. I don't remember telling my family that I got into NYU, although my sisters were older, so they weren't living with me when I got in. It was just my parents. So I guess I remember telling half of them because I do remember telling my mom because I got my acceptance letter on April Fool's Day and she asked me if they were joking. (laughs) (laughs) But they weren't. And I also remember telling my friend Megan, because at the time we were in our high school production of Bye Bye Birdie, (laughs) playing the main couple. And there's a line in one of the songs, which Megan sang to me, which was, you were going to NYU and become. (laughs) And then she asked, what are you studying? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she couldn't remember exactly oh that's so cute that you have that i love that yeah and that was a line from one of her songs she was oh, that character so that's so great. great i i have no similar story because everyone who applies to Pitt state gets it <laughs> so i got it i'm sure not everyone Ma- I'm, i think felons. most people <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there's that actually Convicted felons do get it because I dated one and he got it. (laughs) Good for him. Everyone deserves a chance. I agree. I I agree. Yeah. So, but no, I think, I think that's a beautiful moment. It's, it's funny. Every once in a while, I wonder like how typical were some of my experiences? You know, I think I've mentioned this, my students like apply all over the country. I never, I never did. I don't mind, but sometimes they have just this excitement or like they go live in the dorms and meet their roommates and stuff. I'm like, I just lived at home all through college, (laughs) you know, I don't, I, yeah, I don't mind it. I wouldn't change anything, but it is, it is interesting. Like Drew's about to go off and do what Hattie's doing. It makes me wonder too about Amber. Like, do you think she ever does have a twinge of, of that? Like she's the only one of the cousins so far. And I imagine she might, remain the only one of the cousins you know i i have a hard time seeing sydney or jabbar not going to college and you know it's funny max yeah max for sure will go and then you know victor perhaps wasn't on that track but now i think oh maybe he will be you know that's cool i don't know so who, who knows and i certainly we've talked a lot about it but it just made me wonder i'm like that's so interesting i wonder if people feel like these are all experiences a person should have and I even went to college, but I don't feel like I had all those experiences. So. Well, and I never had, I mean, NYU in some ways is a very untraditional school because it doesn't really have like a centralized campus mm. and athletics are almost of zero consequence. And <laughs> so like my sisters, they both went to KU. To go to a KU basketball game yeah, it's a is whole thing. an event. I mean, and I've gone with them and it's thrilling I didn't even go there. (laughs) There's nothing like that at NYU. And there's that sense of school spirit just doesn't exist at all. And yeah, that's different. But 
lived in New York City, too. I yeah, mean, yeah. Trade so, uh, there you go. Yeah. And, you know, at my school, football was the thing. And it's a, you know, it was a D2 school, but maybe the most impressive D2 football field literally in the country could probably look it up. We have a giant, they call it Jungle Tron instead of a Jumbotron because, you know, it's the gorillas. But yeah, everyone would tailgate. It would, that, that felt like college. I would go to those games and... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I get so happy for these fictional characters about to like go embark on something. I'm like, Drew deserves this. Well, last we saw Drew, he was crushed by this abortion. Yes. <laughs> now yes. it's like, he deserves- please let him get into college. Yes. God. I have to say, I I'm, was really happy to see his scene with Amy. I loved which it. Which I did not really remember. I'm just so relieved that the last we saw of them yes. was not that horrible scene in the car in front of the school and that they, I, I'm, I was glad to see Amy and just feel like she's okay. Yeah. Like that didn't, she's going to get past that. She's gotten she's to a great school. She's going to smile again. Yes. Yeah. yeah. P.S. The acceptance rate at Tufts is 16.3. So, wow, look at I these mean, smarties. Kudos, Amy. Yeah. And I like that they had a moment with each other that was happy and healthy and bittersweet, definitely, yeah. but just calm and loving. And I think it was one of my favorite moments in the episode, maybe even the season. I just really loved the realism of it, too. I was like... I believe this scene and what wise kids, you know, to be able to realize we're not getting back together. We're yeah. going to live very far apart. And we went through something very traumatic together. And, you know, it's interesting. The line that they say to each other about like, I'll never forget you. It could almost be funny because, well, duh, you know, they were each other's first time in a major relationship. They, they had this trauma together. But it was perfect, I thought. And I liked how Drew even almost laughed a little when he's like, well, I'll never forget you either. Like, of course. But I thought it was the perfect thing to say. And it really encapsulated what they really meant, which was, how can I even express what you meant to me and will always mean to me so much? You know? I, yeah. Yeah. I took note of that exact same line. And I and I, I thought it really doesn't sound like just a line with them. Mm-mm. I really and for all the reasons you said that they, they have had these major milestone moments together. And I can't imagine they ever would forget each other. And yeah. And that's all we want, really. Like we want to matter. I feel like we want to be important to someone. I feel like that's one of the harder things about a breakup is I think you wonder, how will I be remembered or will I? Will I just be this insignificant person you once knew? And it, it, you know, there's that song, somebody that I used to know. Like, is that is that it? And so to know, yeah. no, 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 that could never be it. And how great to know, yeah, that when they look back on that, it will be with real fondness. Like, oh, I had a great first time and first love. And yeah. even though we went through something horrible together, they were there for each other yeah. through it. I, it. They would have had a much tougher time without one another. They didn't make it worse for each other as, you know, someone like a bad right. partner could have made that even worse. That Yeah, I, I think they did the very best they could. <laughs> My last note about Drew is in his little scene with Amber at the end. The subtitle said that he's snapshotting. He's, she says, <laughs> what are you so doing? He says, I'm snapshotting. And I at first I, I thought, 
boy, it really sounds like he said Snapchatting, but wow, he's so ahead of his time. That didn't exist. Did it? But then I looked that up. Snapchat came out in 2011. Oh, wow. Which is two years before this. So I think he probably was saying that he was Snapchatting. Yeah. And I'm just such an old fogey. <laughs> like, it didn't occur to me. And, I've and never I guess whoever was writing those subtitles misheard or they were also an old fogey did not know what it was no i i took note of of both things although i didn't question it i'm like yeah he's snapchatting but i didn't even stop to think when did that become a thing i I guess that sounds right i mean it seems like i've had students snapchat forever i've never done it i don't understand it at all (laughs) i don't understand tiktok i'm very old everyone i mean i am 40 so I was Sarah's age, but now Sarah's 42, as she said recently. It's weird how these times work. <laughs> I'm not Lauren Graham's age at all. <laughs> anyway, whatever. And then years later, someone might listen to this podcast and I'll no longer be 40. This is, it's it's just. You're like frozen in time. Yeah. Artifacts, everything. It's like an just... insect in a piece of amber. Amber. We were just talking about Drew and Amber. Well, let's talk about Amber and Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> We've got this tonight. I was going to say in that scene with Amy. Yeah. Did you get any sense that Drew was hoping this would be a reunion moment? Weirdly, no. Okay. Uh, Were you? Did you think that? Not really. I just, there were several people in this episode who I think were sort of declaring their feelings in the hopes of getting a certain result. And I thought with Drew, if that was what he was doing, it was kind of over before it even began, but in a really nice way, in just a kind of like, well, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. This is just not going to, like you said, like we we both know this is not going to happen. Yeah. Even though maybe somewhere deep down, I, I know he'd be happy because he loves her. Yeah. You know, I might be mistaken. My my instinct was that no. And I think, I think because I sort of liked the scene, with both of them having that knowledge and realization. Yeah. But it's also a nice scene if he is hopeful initially and then quickly abandons it and doesn't pressure her at all and just accepts what it is. That's also lovely. So really it's it's cool either way. And you know, something I, we've talked a lot about on this podcast, or at least that always sticks with me anytime I say it, because I'm not sure I'd ever really articulated it before this podcast. But sometimes when you're experiencing a certain feeling, you really feel like you're going to feel that way forever. Yes. And I'm usually thinking about that with negative things. Mm. But I think it might apply to positive things. And Drew has never been in a relationship before. Amy is the only girl he's loved. I think when you're young like that, there is a feeling of like, if I am not with you, who am I going to love? Yeah. And the the truth is you can find a lot of people to love, yeah. but you don't know before you know. And right. and I wonder if that was part of it. Like, oh, I need to hang on to this. But then realizing, I mean, it's part of growing up. You can't hang on to everything, nor should you. Right. Just be grateful that you had a good first love rather than something you look back on and go, what was I thinking? <laughs> oh, completely. You know, it's funny. Mark and I were talking about this, I think just yesterday on our walk. I was sort of like laughing, not in a mean way at all, but about how I had this crush on this guy. Let's call him Brian. That was his name. <laughs> 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 but um, I had a crush on him like 
forever, like 10 years or something, elementary through high school. It was a real constant. He was your Jordan Catalano. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I felt like deep in my soul that I was going to end up with him. I didn't even feel all that anxious about it. And I'm a very anxious person. I was like, well, it will just happen. That's what's going to you know, go down. <laughs> And I just was so wrong. (laughs) And the great thing is, I'm so glad I was wrong. You know, like nothing against him, but I mean, everything for Mark, you know, like it's just, I'm, I'm with the person I should be with. And I just find that so interesting. I mean, I just really must have thought, well, there's no one out there like this for me. And that's just, yeah, you can't, you can't know these things always. And there's this Garth Brooks song and I'm not even a country fan, but I remember in the immortal words, the immortal words, (laughs) when you said that about Kathy Lee Gifford, it's one of my favorite quotes from the podcast ever in the immortal words. Anyway, what did Garth say? It's funny. Um, Mark loves Garth Brooks. Who knows why? Mark loves Kanye West. Mark loves all kinds of music. But we went to go see Garth Brooks once. And I think I was the only person at the entire show who didn't know the words to every single song. I was like, what's happening? But he sings this song called Unanswered Prayers. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man who stares. And just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. For some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer. And I thought, oh, like I used to pray that I would end up with Brian, and thank God I didn't. Like, <laughs> it's just really interesting. I just, I say all this because maybe someday. Drew will feel exactly that way. Like, oh, such happy memory. I have nothing but fondness when I remember my crush on Brian. Uh, No negative feelings whatsoever. And I like to think that Drew will think back with fondness, but also with gratitude. Like, not pining, not the one who got away, not any of that. Just that was a moment in time, and I'm glad it passed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Drew maybe wasn't making a, certainly not an overt effort to get his woman back, but (laughs) there were some very overt efforts. You gave me some good advice, and I listened to you this time. I went back to Joel. I heard. Oh, okay. Double shifts all last week. Wow. Uh, So, I mean, I've paid off the the window. That's great. Yeah. And now I should be making some money. It's good money. You know, and, and the... I've, uh, I, I started doing therapy again, and uh, it's good. I feel great. And the uh, pills are under control. Everything's under control. <laughs> I love you so much. I think about you every minute, I feel like, of every day. I, I know this is all my fault, but I'm really working and changing, and I feel good now. And, um... I just hope that you can remember the bond that we have. You know? You're my best friend in the whole world. And I feel like I've known you my whole life. I don't even know what it was like before you. I don't even think about it. So... (laughs) I I didn't I just wanted to give you the flowers. I wasn't... (laughs) 
doesn't water or else they'll... <laughs> That's a cute little PS. The, yeah. the word you're looking for, Ryan, is wilt. <laughs> or die. Yeah. Like our love. No. Actually, yeah. they're already dead. I mean, they cut them yeah, out of the ground. Yeah. Like they started dying the minute they were... Anyway. <laughs> Uh, what not a, the subject no. what did you think of ryan's speech? oh my god you know what i had many many conflicting thoughts the first thing i wrote down was damn it all my reservations flew out the window i love them <laughs> <laughs> i would say that's like gosh this would be hard to resist <laughs> very hard to resist and mostly that's how i feel and i also was really struck by my god he is a good actor this show is good acting did you know yeah. that yeah uh, i was just like the way he delivers that is just so emotional and it feels perfect i don't know how he could make a line as expected as you're my best friend in the whole world seem like a revelation and it did it was just beautifully delivered i think my only thing on my second watch that that nervousness crept back in and I just thought this is a beautiful speech but it's also very codependent you're like my whole world you know he doesn't say that but he's you know you're, you're my best friend what was life like before you these sound like really romantic things to hear but I I worry that they're not actually great things you know like you know, everything's hinging on him being okay right now. He assures her everything is under control, the pills and therapy. I'm like, but is it? You know, like not that yeah. much time has actually passed, right? Like a month, you know, perhaps it just, I don't know. I, I, at first I was just so happy and excited and I just let myself be. And then I came back to it and I felt nervous. <laughs> so I was curious what you thought. You basically read my mind. I went with it, I think more than you did yeah, on the second watch. Yeah. I did wonder, like, well, what's really different between the two of them since they broke up? But I, I suppose the answer to that is all the things he told her that he's doing. And and like you said, with Jasmine and Crosby going to see Renee, that was an action that they took to show her something. Yeah. I thought, well, I appreciate that Ryan is not just saying, I'll get better, I'll work on myself, but that... He did take that time and assuming he's telling the truth. Yeah, which I that, believe him, but yeah. yeah. and I did too. And it's like, these are not easy things to do. Yeah. I did, I even flagged the same thing. Something about the terminology best friend, I thought felt so much purer than things like you're my soulmate or you yeah. complete me, which I was like, those would feel really codependent. But then I did flag, I'm like, well, I don't remember life before you yeah. could skew that way. But I thought, well- Let's go with a rosier interpretation. Yeah. It's like, maybe it's like, you mark a new chapter. No. <laughs> I'm going to turn over a new leaf. So that's kind of where I was. I, But I, I agree, I do still harbor the same anxiety. I liked that he didn't ask for an answer yeah. in that moment. That, that this was, I'm going to present you with these latest developments. Balls in your court. I liked that too. And, you know, as nervous as it made me, I found it extremely believable. And that goes a long way. You know, I, it just, just capturing something. Because a lot of real life relationships make me a little nervous too. You know, the, the intensity. I mean, even the way he delivers that, it's a beautiful performance. But my goodness, it's so intense. Everything about their relationship is so yeah, intense. That's a great observation. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, these two don't just hang out and joke around even when they're doing that they're like sharing gum you know it's like yeah we 
you know, we drink each other's saliva. It's like Angelina Jolie and every partner she's ever had, you know? Well, and it makes me think, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I wonder if that's something that Sarah doesn't appreciate about Mark. Mm-hmm. They do not have an intense relationship. Yeah. It is stable, yeah. reliable, predictable, dependable, and maybe then mundane. And and not that Hank is, you know, action packed, <laughs> but yeah. I wonder if that is a draw. I mean, I mean, we all know people that that is definitely a draw for. Yeah. Their relationship needs to be dynamite. Yes. <laughs> Ups and downs. And- That's so true. And I, you know, I, I really have no judgment. I think everybody wants something different out of work, out of friendships, out of love, you know, out of life. You know, every everybody has something different that they're looking for. And I just, I really learned with that, you know, ex-boyfriend of mine that I've talked about who really just, their relationship reminds me so much of that. I learned that is not what I want. And I think it's why I've had such a strong reaction to the Sarah-Mark dynamic because that probably most closely resembles the relationship I have now. And I think I'm like figuring some of this out. Like, oh no, no, don't go for the super intense, I can't live without you because that is scary to me, you know, and and maybe it isn't to everyone. And maybe that works out for some people. And they're just like, passion is the number one thing. But I'm like, oh my gosh, I think trust and laughter and comfort to me are the most (laughs) important things. And I, I don't know that Amber is going to have those things with Ryan. She will have a lot of wonderful things, but I don't know if she'll have those things. And for me personally, that scares me because I purposely travel down a road of going from one to the other. Well said. Thank you. On a frivolous note, yeah. Amber has an A in her apartment, and it reminded me of Mary Tyler Moore's apartment. She oh. had a big M on her wall. Oh, that's so cute. I would not be surprised if that's a nod, you know? Like, like I could see that, you know? Amber's going to make it on her own, too. Yeah. <laughs> I did really love what Amber had to say to Ryan. Oh, yes. In response. So we haven't talked about this yet, but um, a few years ago, I was in a car accident. I was drinking, and uh, it was really bad, you know? And I almost died, and it, you know, it just made me realize that when you have people in your life that love you at a certain point, you know, you have to take responsibility for that, and it means something, and it matters, and, you know, I don't know, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I love you. I love you more than I ever thought that I could love anybody. I don't want to waste one more second doing anything without you, and I need to know that you're going to try to be strong and accept the fact that I love you and try to be responsible for that because I'm scared, and I don't think that I can do it alone, and I don't know, you know? I'm going to be very honest. I think on my first watch, I didn't totally get why she brought up the car accident and like what exactly she was saying. I was like, hmm. what? I don't know. Like I, I just. Like your first watch for this podcast or like 10 years ago? No, I mean for this podcast. I think for oh. some reason I just wasn't clicking it, you know, perhaps, perhaps at the risk of sounding dim. But then the second time I'm like, oh, duh. Like I just like. Well, yeah. now I'm. Duh. So do you agree that it, she was saying sort of like the speech she got from Zeke? That Amber was playing fast and loose with someone that Zeke really loves. Yes. And that that was irresponsible. Yes. She owed it to him to take better care of herself. Yeah. And she's asking Ryan to do the same. Ryan, I love you. 
please. You know, this reminds me of an old, of an old Irving Berlin song <laughs> called Be Careful, It's My Heart. Oh. Be careful, it's my heart. It's not my watch you're holding, it's my heart. Gosh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that it's love is something you offer to someone sort of for safekeeping. Don't be careless with it. That's beautifully put. Yeah, I think that's exactly it, you know? And, you know, it's interesting. She doesn't like explicitly say that part to Ryan about, you know, and then my grandpa, who you know, you guys are tight, uh, took me to the (laughs) junkyard and gave me this speech. But what's beautiful about storytelling, like we, the audience know that because we saw it, we remember it. Um, So we have that association, but I do think the actual words she says would be enough for Ryan to get it. You know, this idea of you have to be responsible for that. Like, I love you and that's a responsibility. You can't go drinking and driving. You can't go blowing up at me. You know, I think, I think all those things that, that got them in trouble the first time around, you, you can't do that. You have to be so careful. And that's that. Yeah. I think I just got it the the second time. The first time I just thought, why don't you just say, yes, I love you too. (laughs) (laughs) But this is much better you know. It is. I'm still scared though. Yes. You said too, because I I commend her tremendously for having the wisdom to say this to him. Yeah. And I believe that he's going to try as hard as he can. Yes. But it's just, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. What road are what road are they on? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this sounds so terrible. But I also I find it a little concerning that he goes over to her house and then just sobs in his speech, and then she goes over to his house and sobs. I'm like, this is so much, just so much. Yeah, it's just intense. It's so much. This relationship goes to eleven. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and maybe they, you know, again, maybe people out there are listening and they're like, that's fine. That's what love is, and it's 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 just for me, a love I don't quite trust. I just, I think, Ooh, you have to be able to like, just take care of yourself. And I don't know if Ryan can and Amber can, I mean, she is like the most emotionally mature person in the world, but she is so young. Like I'm still like, are you barely paying your rent though? You know? And like, what are your long-term plans? You know, that they are in so many ways, very young, you know? Well, it's hard. I mean, I mouthed this to you while I was playing the clip. She says, you know, a few years ago, I was in a car accident. Two, two years ago, you were in a car accident. You're just now like two years out of high school. Yeah. And probably not even that. I mean, this episode aired in January. Yeah. So Amber is is very, I mean. 20? 20? Maybe 20. Yeah. Like she can't even drink legally yet. Yeah. She can't rent a car. You know, (laughs) (laughs) can't run for president. No. Uh, There's so many things that. Yeah, she's very, very young. It is making me wonder again how old he is to have served two tours. You know, like, I think in real life, he's something like six years older. But of course, that doesn't mean that their characters have that age difference. But I'm like, you know, if if the younger person is 20, if you're more than a handful of years older, you're starting to get into very different life experiences, too. Like, I I don't find it inappropriate the way I did like Bob Little. You know, she doesn't work for him, nothing like that. But but I do I do think 
whew, the way that, you know, we've talked about this before too, but the way that Christina and Adam were so worried that Hattie was dating like a man. I'm like, well, Amber is dating a man. Amber is dating yeah. a grown adult. <laughs> and in some ways that makes sense. But in some ways I'm like, oh, you're still pretty young. <laughs> you know what's weird that I just thought of when you said that? What? Amber is now the age that Alex was when... Adam and Christina were so worried. Yeah. What if Amber was dating a 16-year-old boy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> would, that does put an interesting be spin so on it. so strange. Yeah. And then what if that boy's parents were like, I don't know. She didn't go to college. Her dad's <laughs> oh, a no. drug addict. She was in that she car accident. She almost did that car accident. <laughs> oh, no. This is just a very intense relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Uh... She has her own apartment. (laughs) Yeah. She lives on her own. Yeah. Although, no, um, she doesn't have a family concerns. Yeah. (laughs) She's got a family busting out the wazoo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Her family's always over. (laughs) Yeah, it'd go a different way. (laughs) They don't have any boundaries. (laughs) Maybe that, but that's not the show we're watching. And maybe that's on the Christina sends an email. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's well, a, that's a refrain I enjoy. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. That's the that's the version of the show with hardly any conflicts. Yeah, I will watch it. You and I it. will watch in our old age yeah. when we can't handle the drama. Yeah, we're like too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, another person fighting for their woman. Let's just jump right to that. Yes. Mark and Sarah, no. not done yet. No, guess not. I've been thinking a lot about you and I and everything and um. And I just needed to tell you, to be honest, tell you that um, I still love you and, and I know that I'm always going to love you because you're the one for me. And we've come through so many different things and, and uh, we've fought for who we are because when it's just us in a room together, it's amazing. And I think you know that, too. I, I should have fought for you, and I didn't, and now I am. I want to be with you. And I know that you have your thing going on, and my ultimate goal is your happiness, but I think that I'm the guy that can make you happy. And I think when you look inside yourself, you'll realize that I'm the one for you. And that's what I had to say. And just think about it. And then come find me. What did you think of Mark's speech? I thought it was a wonderful speech. But I was a little miffed that it felt like there was a whiff of Mark blaming himself. Oh, yeah. In Sarah being with Hank. Now, if Mark wants to get Sarah back, it's obviously not a great strategy to be like, this was all your fault. (laughs) (laughs) Let me start there. I feel like it was. But I forgive you. (laughs) I don't think the problem in their relationship was that Mark didn't fight for Sarah. No. I think it's that Sarah emotionally cheated on Mark and then lied to him about it. Yeah. And that he had enough self-respect to say, I'm not putting up with that. And if he wants to change his mind or if he feels Sarah has changed or that they can come to some understanding to ensure that won't happen again, Great. I'm not even disagreeing with his instinct to win her back. Yeah. But I felt a little sad for the character. Like, you do not need to grovel. No. Because I don't think you did anything wrong. If you want to ask for her to reconsider being with you, 
go ahead. But I, I felt bad for the character a little bit. But I did, I was moved by everything he said. I, I was not sitting there pissed at parenthood. I no, was like, no. this is great. And I hoped that she would choose him. <laughs> yes. I, I wrote down that I think she makes the wrong decision for herself, but the right decision for him, ultimately. Like, you know. Ooh. Yeah. I, uh, I think that a lot of what he said really rang true. When it's just us in a room, it's amazing. I thought, yeah. It is, you know, you're light, you're laughing, it's, it's easy, there's not a lot of drama. And again, I think some people, and maybe Sarah is one of them, in their heart of hearts, they're like, but that's not what love is. Love is this, like, weight that, you know, it's like this. <laughs> the stormy thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I think ultimately she probably just wants something else because she thinks that's what love is and we've, we've covered that. We've talked about that, but I just, I found it so fascinating listening to this very well thought out argument where I thought everything he said was right. You know, if you look inside yourself, you'll see that I'm the guy who can make you happy. I think that's true. I think yeah. that Hank is the guy who can make her tortured a little bit tortured. Drag her down. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, even just little things like oh, I'm off to see Ruby, and she didn't know he was going until she shows up. And, uh, okay, uh, bye, see you in two days. Or, like, you know, we'll get to it, but his big reveal, I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I feel so strongly. Love, in my opinion, is being able to count on someone being there when they say they will be there. And she does not have that with Hank. And she, it's funny. It's sort of like never a dull moment, but it makes me think real love is maybe a healthy amount of dull moments. Yes. <laughs> or like reconsidering what, what dull means. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like just really enjoying the quiet, really enjoying the calm and the peace and not needing some big drama all the time and not feeling like that wretched feeling of, you know, actually a friend of mine brought this up to me a while back. It blew my mind. You know how they talk about, you know, when you first love someone or like someone and you get butterflies in your stomach, she's like, that's just anxiety. You don't know if they like you back. Yeah. Whoa. It's so interesting to me, that idea. Yeah, I think it's very insightful. Yeah. And I, I really think that Sarah's sort of buying into that. And I think Mark is young, but I think he's like, like Amber, you know, he's wise, he's wise beyond his years. And I think that, you know, maybe he needed this for closure, but I I think it's more likely that parenthood just is like, damn it, Jason Ritter's great. Are we done already with him? Let's just one more time, you know, but it, it made me a little sad too, because I thought him just getting up from that dinner and saying, I love you, but I can't do this anymore. was such an effective end. And I'm like, yeah. Man, as much as I love him and I love him being on the show, I keep thinking you should have done this earlier. Like at the end of season three, then they just would have broken up and it would have been just this fond memory like Drew and Amy or something. It would have just been like it didn't work out. But then instead she emotionally cheats and it's awful. But at least he has that dignity of walking away. And now I'm like, God, but then you made him sort of like go back. to You know, and now that you're saying, yeah, it's like, it reminds me of when Rachel on Friends finds the list that Ross made and she says, you know, you have feelings for me and I get clobbered and then I have feelings for you and I somehow still end up getting clobbered. Yeah. I'm tired of getting clobbered. 
Imagine this whole arc of Mark and Sarah from Mark's point of view. She's kind of just this woman that has strung him along and put him through the ringer. Yes. Well, we wanted to date and then she said we couldn't because her kids were in school. And then we got back together and then she said she wanted to have a baby. But then she changed her mind and then she wouldn't let me be in the family picture. And then she started cheating with her boss and lied to me about it. And then... I tried to rekindle it again and give her a second chance, and she still didn't even pick me. <laughs> like that's all accurate, oh, except you run left out while you can. You left out the part where, and for a while, she abandoned me to help her ex-husband. Oh, right? <laughs> yes, I know this poor guy. This is why I was like, you know what? I'm actually kissed him too. <laughs> yes, kissed him too. Didn't tell me. I never. I I don't know how I'm even recounting this because I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm just like. Wouldn't travel anywhere with me. No, it's <laughs> and awful. Stupid kids. Yeah, and I mean, I Ugh. I love Sarah, but when you really break it down like that, Mark was never anything but pretty fantastic. I mean, there was a while yeah. at the end of season three where it was like, calm down about traveling with your baby all over. Yeah, but, read the room. Yeah, but, but that's it. That's the whole. That's your biggest problem. He wants to travel the world with you. You have yeah. too many plans for us. Yeah. And so I think ultimately, even though I think it's the worst decision for herself, that I I just made peace with it. I'm like, he needs to go find someone who also likes the quiet. They're just going to read books and, you know, drink wine on a Saturday night and just be happy with each other. And that's probably for the best. Yeah. Well, and she says in their in her breakup with him, which I loved, I made me tear up. And yeah. I thought it was very well acted, but I was genuinely confused by it. Me too. She says, well, let's hear Let's it. listen to it, yeah. I have something to say. Huh? I'm going to try to make it work with Hank. I have to get my life together. I could never explain to you. How much I love you. I'm gonna make it work with Hank. Um. I don't, I don't know what to, what to say. I'm sorry. Goodbye, Mark. So our eyebrows went up at the exact same line, yes. which was, I need to get my life together. And I just noted, it's like, okay, yeah, I happen to like Mark more. But even putting that aside, she needs to get her life together. In what way is Hank the choice that better serves that goal. I'm and, and I'm not saying that to knock Hank. No. He doesn't have his own life together. No. I, I don't I mean, as evidenced in this very episode. Yes. I don't live in the same state as my kid, and I think I should, and so I'm just gonna go there and then decide to do that. And I, by the way, you're fired. <laughs> like, right. You don't have a job and we're done. Yes. By the way, and I love you. <laughs> what like, the fuck? 
fuck? I, so all I can think that she might mean is that she can't be switching relationships every time she turns around and that she was with Mark and then he broke up with her and then he comes back to her and yeah, she could go back to him and then, then does she move back out of her parents and back into, but even then I'm just like, I feel like, yeah, you maybe want to need to commit to one direction and then just follow that path. Yeah. But ultimately I feel like Hank was the deviation from that path, not a new better path. You should stick on the path with Mark if you need to get your life together. Yeah. I thought that if you said I'm craving a lot more drama, well, then Hank's your choice. (laughs) Yes, by all (laughs) means. No, I thought the same thing. I was just so flummoxed by that. That's your choice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It just did not make any sense to me. And, And I was. And I don't think it made sense to Mark. You know, I think part of the reason he barely said anything was like, what just happened? You know, and I don't think it was an ego thing. I think it was a, did you hear that? Did you hear the same speech that I heard? And even when she said, I can never explain to you how much I love you, that felt, it felt kind of flat to me because I, I even believe her, but I'm like, well, you could be with him. He's right there saying, be with me. So I don't understand this whole, like, I can never explain to you how much I love you. I just felt like I needed better words from her. If she's going to stick with Hank, I, unless it's just meant to mirror real life where people do things and they don't fully get it, you know? Yeah. And maybe she didn't want to say, I love him more. That's just hurtful. And I'm guessing maybe that's what it is. But... I don't know. There was something about it. Like, even if she said, I could never explain to you how much I loved you or how much you've always meant to me, or I'll remember you so fondly, but like she uses love present tense. Maybe she means friendship love. Maybe she just means I don't love you as much as this other person. Yeah. Maybe the flip side of that is I could never explain to you why I'm making this choice. That I get, you know, I think I would have preferred a speech like that. That was like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, Caleb do a spit take almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> got it down. Yeah. Just in time. Just in time. <laughs> down the hatch. But, you know, I really think that's what I, you know, I think I would get that if she, if she really just said something inside me is saying, Hank, even though all logic should point me towards you, I don't get it myself. But honestly, I feel like I need to get my life together and you already have yours together. You know, even if she said something like that, like I am just chaos in your life. And, you know, I mean, I just feel like there are a lot of things that would have made more sense to me. But what she said, and she says, I'm going to make it work with Hank, like twice, almost like resolutely. Like, yeah, I feel like she's trying to convince herself. Like, and I, uh, to me, the second time she said it, she said the words, I'm going to make it work with Hank. But I almost heard the words like, I have to make it work with Hank. Yeah. Like the only way I can save face with this whole debacle is if I just buckle down and make this work. Yeah. I treated Good you I, I treated you horribly, Mark, but you know what? Hank's the love of my life, so I was supposed that's to. That's how I'll atone for it. Yeah. Yeah. What? <sighs> I think the real reason that they were done with Mark might have been the fact that oh, no. shortly after Parenthood was renewed for a fifth season. Fox picked up a sitcom called Us and Them. Oh, yeah. Which was based on the British series Gavin and Stacey, which starred Jason Ritter. And how's this for Eerie? His co-star slash love interest on that show 
was played by Alexis Bledel, who, you know, quite famously was Lauren Graham's daughter for seven seasons on Gilmore Girls. Yeah. The incest just never ends. Never ends. Lauren Graham's dating her brother and her boyfriend is dating her daughter from another <laughs> show. That's crazy. But I, I wonder if they thought, well, this show's going to get picked up and Jason Ritter will be unavailable. But then it makes you wonder what was the conversation around Hank? Yeah. I mean, and Ray Romano. Well, that's why they had him move, I guess. You know, like. <laughs> did they think he was, you know, we've only got him this season? Maybe. But God, did they just think, we're just going to blow up Lorelai, you know, <laughs> Lorelai. We're just going to blow up Sarah's life. And season five, we'll just see where the dust has settled. She'll just, new, new guys. I don't care like i just i i don't know it did i wondered if it was like dramatic justice for Mm. her making the wrong choice because it reminded me of the season three finale of the west wing an episode called posse comitatus (laughs) when president bartlett orders a strike against a foreign leader and it's kind of shady like it's maybe not ethical that he does it okay but he thinks in the grand scheme of national security he needs to do it And then later that night, after he makes this call, one of his Secret Service men, who just happens to be beginning a relationship with CJ, the press secretary, played by Allison Janney, gets shot in like a convenience store. Wow. And I heard Aaron Sorkin say somewhere, he's like, these are the rules of drama. President Bartlett did something wrong and he must be punished. And the punishment is this other character gets killed. Whoa. I'm like, whoa. But that's kind of how I felt here. Like, Sarah, you had the chance to pick the right person and you picked the wrong person. And what do you get? You get no one. (laughs) Oh, no. That's your, take your medicine. That's terrible. (laughs) Oh, my God. Maybe. And maybe that's not fair to Hank, but. It is interesting, though, because I just couldn't stop thinking, like, this is fascinating. I wonder if any part of Sarah is like, damn it. Why didn't I wait until tomorrow to tell Mark? But then I thought, no, probably she on some level is thinking it's right that I ended it with Mark. If I feel this strongly for someone else, even if he's leaving, Mark deserves better than that. Yeah, I like I like to think that she would think that. And you know, as I mean, we don't see her like run back to the school and be like, wait, wait, I was <laughs> you know Pixie <laughs> <I>, Baxi. <laughs> So I, I think maybe there's some goodness in her after all. <laughs> you know, that's that's how I that's how I sort of read it. You know, so like I really it, it does feel on brand for Sarah who married who married Seth to want someone where it is just more uncertain. You know, she had a very unstable marriage. And I think maybe on some level that is just how she gauges these things. And I don't know, what did you think of Hank? giving her that speech that she thought was going to be also, what did she think was happening? Did she think he was proposing or did he, did, you know, what did she think he was just saying, move in with me or like, this is happening. What was I'll she I'll answer expecting? you after the break. <laughs> I don't like to act impulsively. I like to, you know, think things out and all that, but uh, sometimes I just want to take a leap of faith and do what I feel is right. And this feels like it's something I have to do and I want to do. I, uh, 
I'm gonna move to Minnesota. That is not what I thought you were gonna say. I'm gonna go back tomorrow. tomorrow. I'm gonna find an apartment, and then I'm gonna come back, take care of things here, and I'm, I'm gonna close the shop. I'm gonna move there. I'm gonna move there. I um. Here's the thing. I I never met anybody like you. Yeah. No, that's the truth. I, uh, I never thought I would. I never was looking to meet anybody. You're uh, very special. But my daughter, I was watching her, and I just thought, she's going to be in college. And, and you know, I'm going to blink, and she's going to be in college. Believe me. And, and if I'm not there, if I'm like an absentee dad. No, you can never do that. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I know. I wish there was another way. You mentioned before the fake out that Sarah yes. said Drew did. It's like, yeah. this is a fake this out. This is a fake That's... out. <laughs> yes. I remembered that Hank moved to Minnesota at the end of this season, but I did not remember how he told that to Sarah. Yeah. And I was shocked at the, how thick they laid it on that yeah. he was going to propose or something, which I would have been preposterous. Yeah. I mean, that would have been bonkers. That would have been a terrible idea at this point. Yeah, uh, and I thought it was actually kind of a well-executed, out-of-left-field development yeah. because we learned a lot of the information before. Like, it was practically half a season ago that Hank's ex was taking his daughter to Minnesota. We knew that was happening. We knew mm -hmm. he didn't like it. We knew he tried to stop it and was unsuccessful. Yeah, And we know that he and his daughter recently got a lot closer and had kind of a breakthrough in their relationship. We, and then even in this episode, we knew that he went to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. There was an issue and he, he went there. Yeah. So I thought like, well, they did a good job of walking that line between feeling like it really did come out of nowhere and yet it is plausible yeah. that he would do this. Like there have been signs, yeah. but I wondered if he, you know, you said, would Sarah have broken up with Mark if she knew that this was going to happen? I wondered if Hank would have made this decision if he didn't think that Mark was a threat. You know, at the end of last episode, he says, you know, like I, I see what's going to happen. Mm. I think he maybe has doom predicted oh. for himself already and it's like well if i am gonna about to lose this person i care about and the only other person i care about is in another state fuck it i'm out of here yeah if he felt more secure would he have stayed and it's like well forget my daughter i don't know but i i feel like he must have taken that into consideration and maybe tried to spare himself the pain that is a really like compassionate take and i really like that because I kept going back and forth. Oh, I disagree with that, though. I mean, like, <laughs> he shouldn't do that. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe he cares about his daughter, but... I think that was, for me, the big conflict. Like, what he said about his daughter, I thought was quite lovely, actually. You know, what, I'm going to be an absentee dad? I think that's great. And that's actually, I think, one of the healthy things about her attraction to Hank as compared to, you know, Seth, who was an absentee dad. I think she does really love that. You know, she she goes from feeling hurt and kind of shock to understanding pr pretty quickly. And I think it's because she really thinks he's making a great point. I think where I feel so angry, I almost can't see straight. <laughs> well, I'm just like, if love is this sort of selfless thing, 
why the hell at the end of last episode, you know, I know what I want, he knows what he wants. Why present it like you can have either of us, the ball is in your court, choose. If he's just going to turn around and move to Minnesota, why not let her go? Why not say, I love you, but my daughter's in Minnesota. I didn't mean to kiss you and ruin your engagement, but that's what happened. This was a beautiful moment, but I think it was never actually supposed to happen. I, I think I need to go be with my daughter and you should be in the relationship you were in before I came along. He obviously still loves you and I'm not going to be here to be a partner to you. I think that's what really gets me is he made it sound like you can have either of us. I'll be right here. And then <laughs> she picks him before she can even tell him. He's like, no, just kidding. Psych. I'm, I'm going to Minnesota. Wow. That makes me think that maybe I'm right. Like that. Yeah. He felt like he just couldn't win. Mm. And if maybe he had known ahead of time, Hey, she made a choice and she picked you. Yeah. But you know, Maybe that'd be a good reason for him to have told her before the minute he's getting into the cab, hey, I'm going to go see my daughter. Yeah. Because maybe she might have said, hey, you know that thing we talked about recently about um, who am I going to choose to spend my life with? It's you. It's you. Yeah. Instead, he's like, we've got some (laughs) things to talk about when I get back. But then he doesn't talk to her about them. He comes back and says, I'm moving in your fire. That's what happens. And it's yeah. just like, what? And yeah, I don't blame him for moving to Minnesota with his daughter. I think I just blame him for like everything else. <laughs> like, yeah. Why blow up this woman's life and then leave? That's what you've done. It's just crazy. And I had forgotten that Hank asked her to go with him in that yeah. very last Does scene. that make it better? What do you think? <laughs> No, because it's still so, I hate to call it selfish because I don't necessarily think he's going for selfish reasons, but it's not like, wow, how could Sarah turn that down? Well, a million reasons. Her life is here and that's, it was part of what she thought this relationship was. It's based in Berkeley. Yeah, where my (laughs) children are and my parents and my whole life, not my job anymore, apparently, but (laughs) everything else. It just was funny. It it did come back to me once I saw the scene. I mean, this is going to serve as a spoiler for anyone who hasn't watched already, but once that scene happened, I remember that I did have low-level concern between season four and five that I was going to tune in to season five and she was going to be in fucking Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, she wouldn't, would she? It was like, she? maybe. Yeah. I, I didn't see him moving to Minnesota coming. Yeah. And, you know, her kids are out of high school. That's true. She was going to move to New York with Mark, you know. Yeah. So why I, not, I guess. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know what was up with Ray Romano. I should have Googled that. Did he have another potential job where they're like, we got to get Hank off? I just wonder if maybe, yeah, this is speculation. Maybe we should look it up. But I, I guess in my head, the story I made up was that Ray Romano was a big enough deal that he's like, yeah, I'll come to a season. We'll just... And that was like what he'd agreed to maybe. And they're like, let's just do that in case you have other projects that you want to do. And if it works out for you to come back, we'll do it. You know, let, let, let's see what audience members think of Hank and people liked him more than we did. <laughs> no, I, I liked him. The, I liked him much more in the past. I, I, I like him. I like Ray Romano, but it's interesting. It really is. It, it was just, yeah, she is all alone. And I think, boy, the end of her season three arc was a lot more 
uplifting in a lot of ways. Yeah. She was in a healthy relationship and he proposed and we didn't see her answer, but it seemed like, oh, maybe this will go someplace good. And then just, uh, you just know, for a, show, for a show that was always on the bubble, if this had been the series finale, well, it really sucks for Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Where was she when the series began? Single with two kids living with her parents. That's exactly where she is now. That's Four true. Unemployed. Yeah. Yeah. I just keep yes. thinking about that part because they they just conveniently step over the fact that he's like, yeah, I'm going to close the shop. <laughs> you know, it's just no regard at all for her. You know, even if he'd been like, would you mind running the, sh- the shop? Like, you know, if instead of saying, come with me, saying, would you run things here? And then at least she gets to like, have her job still, but like, you yeah. know, have more responsibility. And that's an interesting arc. I'm just like, God, so she doesn't really know anything about photography. Does she, she just knows how to like kiss in the dark. <laughs> 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 oh my God. Yes. <laughs> you want to hear something crazy that occurred to me yes. in his speech to her? Yeah. He says, I never met anyone like you. <laughs> I thought, well, there's a woman in Connecticut who a lot of people say really reminds <laughs> them of Sarah. I'm speaking, of course, of Lorelai Gilmore. Yeah. And and then I, I went down this weird mental <laughs> rabbit hole of what if they both exist in this universe? They're, they're just on opposite coasts. Yeah. And none of these people overlap with any of the others. There was also an actor in this episode. Well, two, I guess, who yes. are stars hollow resident. Yeah, they are. We'll reveal them when we get to their storyline. We'll have but- a Gilmore Girls And I, then I just thought, and then what if Sarah and Lorelai ever actually met? And then, like, <laughs> would the universe implode? Or, or would they have a moment of, like, I don't see what everyone is saying. Like, we don't look a thing alike. We don't sound alike. Or would they be like, yeah, I get it. It'd or be, would one of the, probably Sarah would be like, I'm just like you. Lorelai would be like, I'm way better than you. <laughs> um, you need to get your life together. Mine is together. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. And when they would meet, it would be like a Phoebe Ursula split screen. And they would just. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. You know, streamers, are you listening? Because we've got a pitch for you. It's basically. Parent Trap or Freaky Friday, but with <laughs> Sarah Braverman and Lorelai Gilmore. I'm in. I am all in. Think of the hijinks. Yeah. Yeah. They get into. Think of Little May Whitman. Whitman and Alexis yeah. Goodell. Just like trying to get their parents like to be Maybe best they friends. solve crimes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Only murders in Stars Hollow. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and maybe it could take place uh, in the equidistant location between those two. Lawrence, Kansas. Lawrence, Kansas. Come, come visit me. Yes. I'll have some sort of quirky role to play. I'll, I'll be a librarian. I don't know. Or an English teacher, which yeah. you already are. You know what? Let's go with that. Let's go with that. I just, I saw books, you know, I was like, books yeah. will be part of this. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've gone a little far afield. Let's <laughs> <laughs> crawl our way back. So Ryan was almost a season-long story arc. Hank was certainly a season-long story arc. He was in the very first episode of season four. Another, maybe the season four story arc was 
Christina and her breast cancer. Yeah. When Dr. Bedslow mentioned in their first scene the PET scan to Christina, I thought of Beth telling us about scanxiety. Yes. And how awaiting the scans gets people anxious. I would never have known. I mean, it would have made sense in the context of the episode. Yeah, yeah. I appreciated knowing that that was something a lot of people dread. (laughs) I think it really helped inform her response when Adam gets her the Hawaii trip and she doesn't want to go. I was like, yeah, if you are sort of obsessively worrying about what that says, I personally, I get a little superstitious about stuff when I'm really nervous. I think I would feel like if I plan a trip to Hawaii, I for sure have not ended this. (laughs) You know, like I can't, I need to just put my life on hold until I know I'm okay. That's how I would yeah. feel. Let's hear the Hawaii fight. It's Hawaii. Yep. I know what you're thinking. I checked at Dr. Bedslow. He said it's fine. Got the whole family ready to take care of Max yeah, and Nora and Otis. Um, it's all set. I, all you have to do, pack a bathing suit and a good book, honey. I really wish that you would have talked to me Listen, before booking Don't worry about the money. We have not, a good month at the lunch event, okay? We're fine. Not at all, honey. We don't know that I'm healthy. We do, we honey. Nope. We do. I we talked don't. to Dr. Bedslow. Honey, you saw Gwen, you saw what happened to her. I mean, she was doing fine, and then out of nowhere, just like it came back, and it's in her lungs. It's I know everywhere. that, honey. She's I know scared. that. I feel terrible, and I'm sorry that she's scared, but that's not you. That's not you. How do we know that? We don't know that, Adam. Yes, we do, Listen honey. to me, we don't, okay? Until I have that test, we know nothing. So I'm sorry, but I can't plan a vacation or a trip or go celebrate something okay, when I don't sorry. know that I'm... Okay. I'm sorry. Let's take a beat. Let's just take a beat, okay? All right. I want you to cancel the trip. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go check on our nugget. I'll check on our Okay. Babe, it's okay. Thank you so much. All right. I just want to call attention to the fact that her final line in that scene is thank you so much. I actually thought this was, I mean, I thought it was a beautiful gesture on Adam's part. Yes. But I thought it was a pretty well-handled disagreement. Yeah. It reminded me of the wig fight, Mm. but I felt like Christina handled this a lot better. And I suppose Adam, too. In the wig fight, I felt like she did kind of bite his head off a little bit. Yeah. And it was actually because of her own stuff. Yeah. And then in retrospect, she felt like she overreacted. I thought she didn't hear it. She does apologize for it. But I didn't think an apology was really necessary. I thought that also was a very thoughtful gesture. Yeah. But I didn't think it was required. It was a little hard to understand what exactly Adam meant by, we do know that you're healthy. I thought, you know, if he means they can't put everything on hold because of how things might go in the future, then I'm in agreement. Yeah. But I thought Christina made a very good point about her upcoming scan. Like, well, it it sounds like this is scheduled. They know when this scan is going to happen and they know when they're going to get the results. If that is impending. Just wait. Just wait. Yeah. That I'm like, but that's not unreasonable. That's not why I might get cancer next year. That would be unreasonable. But like, I have an appointment next week to see if I'm really cancer free or not. Yeah, I don't see the harm in waiting. <laughs> no, not at all. I was all. relieved that he didn't fight her on it. Yeah. And so, you know, she said, I want you to cancel the trip. He said, okay. And then he apologized and she said, thank you very much. She might have been saying thank you very much on him offering to go check on Nora, but I took it as 
for all of this. I appreciate what you were trying to do here, and I'm not upset about it. Yeah. I, I actually thought it, it went pretty well. I really And then their makeup it. scene was really adorable. That was the <laughs> cutest. Oh my gosh, her in that wig and then all the like funny sexual innuendos, which I feel like we don't get that often with them, but it was it was like a peek behind the curtain. It was very it was very fun. I did like yeah. that. Although he is super cheesy when he is coming on to her. Like even in the <laughs> Hawaii scene before that when he gives her the wine and he's like it's like called <laughs> do, Chateau it. do it. <laughs> God. I mean I know a lot of people come on here and they're like, Adam is the perfect man. And I got to tell you, if someone said this is called Chateau Do It, I'd be like, I don't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I would just find that so corny. (laughs) I'd be like, nope. And he does that sort of thing a lot. Like when he's got that like smoking jacket when they go on their date. I would pretend to be tired too. (laughs) No. So, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. Like, I like it for them. It to- I, I get that she would be attracted to that, you know, and, and it's, it's fun to see them sort of play. But while I think that Peter Krause is super attractive, that sort of like, hey, Chateau, do it. Like, look like at my smoking jacket. I'm like, not sexy, man. Like, I don't, that doesn't, that, I don't know. I think it's really kind of funny. But it's such a great thing when you really think about it because, Everyone is attracted to different things. We often think, no, we're not. We all want handsome, intelligent, funny. And in a very broad level, I do think that's true. There are certain characteristics that are attractive. But like the way that I would rather have someone that I could banter with than someone I was super intense with, you know, or the way that's a very specific shade, right? And the way that like what (laughs) Adam does when he's in the mood would be a, such a turnoff to me, even though I find him attractive. I think that's interesting too. And I think, yeah, yeah Christina, for whatever reason, this whole corny thing works for her. <laughs> they're, they're so cute. Yeah. I thought of them earlier when you mentioned butterflies, you that it's really just anxiety. And I thought some people might say, but I know couples have been together for a long time. And they say, oh, when I see her, my stomach still flutters. I think maybe that's a different thing. I'm like, is that giddiness? Is that joy? Being around this person brings me joy. And I thought of this scene. I was like, they've been married a long time and they clearly still get a kick out of each other. Yeah. That's great. And if you're going to call that kick butterflies. Sure. Okay, I understand what you mean. But it's to me, that's not the same kind of butterflies as when you're getting to know someone. Yeah. Their butterflies come from knowing each other so well. I know exactly what's going to get you going. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, we get a return of Gwen Chambers, played by Rose Abdu. No more girls alert! Ah! (laughs) You know, I got to say, I was actually... Very emotional at seeing, weirdly, both her. That that one makes more sense, I guess, because it's quite a reveal that, she, you know, she's sick again. But also Dr. Bedslow, for some reason. I was like, oh, we haven't seen these people in a few episodes. The cancer has sort of been on the back burner since, I think, the Christmas one. I mean, I think since she almost died. And so now it's like, oh, yeah, God, remember these sort of people who were marking how upsetting and just wrenching this whole storyline was. They are back. We are coming full circle. I don't know. It was very emotional for me to just see Gwen. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I thought she served a really good purpose on the show. You know, it, <laughs> this is just TV, despite how much time we spend talking about it. 
And we know as viewers that this is the season finale. Yeah. And I thought the show runs the risk a little bit of treating cancer just like a season long story arc. Yeah. Well, if you can just get through the season, then you're fine and you live happily ever after. Right. And then we're on to the next thing. But I thought bringing back Gwen and having her relapse and cancer has spread was a nice nod to the fact that life does not work that way. Yeah. And Christina may be ready to move on, but not everyone is so lucky. And that she may not be truly rid of the fear that her cancer could return for many years. So it's like, great, maybe we're not going to have every episode devoted to this, but I feel like it does need to keep casting a shadow over Christina for, I would say, I mean, if we know there's two seasons left, yeah, it better have an impact on her the rest of the series, I would say. I would say so too, yeah. Especially, did he say, we don't say cancer-free for... Five years. Five years, yeah. And so... Well, we don't say cured. We don't say cured, yes. And I feel like Beth maybe told us it yeah, was like 10. Yeah, I think I'm getting Beth's comments and Dr. Betzla's a little mixed up in my brain. But yeah, like both the person Beth and the character Dr. Betzlow have really impressed upon me the the severity of it, you know, the seriousness of it. You don't... You, yeah, it's not a casual thing. And so while it was beautiful to see Christina get that good news and the crying and the happy tears, you know, uh, and them going to Hawaii. Adam clearly did not cancel that trip. <laughs> he just said, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, <laughs> but I thought, man, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. But yes, like you said, it should still cast a shadow. And I never really thought about Gwen serving that purpose, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It lets us not forget and even if this was the series finale we would still have some indication like this doesn't just end in a little final scene with a hat with happy tears yeah for a lot of people it's over and over i mean i i think of my one of my brother's-in-law who lost his mom to cancer yeah I think she had it four times wow oh my god and would get rid of it and it would come back and she defeat it again and it would come back and just that is a lot Ooh. of people's experience too. And yeah. That would be horrible. Yeah. Let's hear Christina getting her good news. Yeah. Let me cut to the chase. You're cancer free, Christina. <laughs> Sorry, why can you say that again? Your PET scan showed no irregularities. This confirms my impression that the blood test abnormality was a consequence of one of the meds you got. You are cancer-free. <laughs> Thank you, oh doctor. My God. Thank you. Now, of course, you still need to have your radiation therapy. We yeah. scheduled you for that in four to six weeks. And this is something that we need to track closely. You need to come to regular exams. Your next mammogram will be in three months. We don't use the word cure for five years. I understand. I totally understand. But for now, take a deep breath, relax, Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your family. You deserve it. Thank you so much, Doctor. You saved my life. Thank you, you Doctor. You really did. Thank you. See, I think I even got emotional there because I was like, and Adam didn't think he was the right doctor, and she went with yeah. her instincts and stuck with him. And so her even saying, thank you, Doctor, you saved my life, I thought was a really nice nod to that. It wasn't just, thank you, Doctor, I'm so relieved or I'm so happy it was like attributing some of that to him and also yeah. to herself for sticking to her guns and also to Gwen, who said, 
he saved my life and, you know, he's the, you know, like kind of. Maybe she spoke too soon. Oh, I no. shouldn't say that. That's <laughs> oh, horrible. That's terrible. But, but sadly, yeah, I guess yeah. that's true. And I was glad to hear him mention radiation. Yeah. Beth asked us like, well, that's the next course. And I honestly didn't remember. I, I didn't mean, either. We don't see it yeah. clearly because the season's over. But I, I was just happy to hear them acknowledge, yeah, that's the next step. You're not just done. Yeah. Now there's that's the wet this clock next level that wipes away the yeah, yeah the debris that she had said Beth had said. Well, good luck, Christina. Yeah, We're rooting for we you. We are. Yeah. It was nice. It, I'm glad it was like a happy, relatively short. You know, it wasn't the main storyline. Yeah. I would say the main storyline oh, was another season-long arc, Victor and the Grams, which would be a fun name for a Victor and the Grams. <laughs> well, we start Victor's journey in this episode with Sydney being so mean. Yes. Why do I have to wear a suit? Oh. Because it's exciting. It's a big occasion. Yeah, it's fun to dress up. And Sydney, you get to pick out a dress? I don't need a dress because I'm not going to the ceremony. What? I don't think it's a good idea for Victor to be adopted. Sid. He's not truly a part of this family, and some stupid ceremony isn't going to change that. Okay. If you want to have a private conversation. I get that I have no choice about you going through with it, but I'm not going. I refuse to put on a dress and make believe I'm happy. Go to your room. I'm already going. Yep. Jeez. I am sort of laughing not at anything. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrifying everything she said, but not Sydney. Sydney's terrible, but man, Savannah Page Ray. Like, yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. Like, even her saying, I'm already going. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a line like that, what it does for me is reminds me that she is a a child instead of someone I hate now uh, because right. saying such vicious, horrible things to sweet Victor, you know, I'm like, oh, right, right, right. Okay. She's a kid. She's acting out. Like, got it. Calm down, Melissa. But um, man, yeah, she is such a talented actress. Good grief. Yeah. And I thought the same thing. I was like, I shouldn't be too hard on her. Probably she's a child. And I don't feel like her parents have done a flawless job explaining the way that their family is morphing yeah, to her. Agreed. That would be a a very hard adjustment to make, and she hasn't had a lot of guidance. But you shouldn't say something that deliberately hurtful, even to just a guest who's staying with you for a while, let alone, like, your brother, or meant to be your brother. About to be legally your brother, if nothing else. And his little face, listening to it, like, I felt like you could see him try and kind of, like, just shrug it off of the... That'd be hard to do. I know. The words would sting. And, uh. It really got me later in the scene where they're picking out a suit. And Joel's oh, like. So adorable. Which, yes. I mean, the whole scene is wonderful. The only part that was sad was how it started where, you know, Joel's like, well, you know, Sydney didn't mean that. And Victor's just like, yeah, she sounded like she said. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's no fool. No, he's not. And, I, you know, it's interesting. I do think she meant it. But somehow I simultaneously think she means it later when she says nice things. You know, I, I think, you know, people are complicated. You can hold two thoughts in your head at the same time. I, I think she loves him and resents him and is frustrated that she wasn't maybe enough for her parents, which I'm sure that's how she feels all at mm. once, you know? Yeah. Speaking of that suit scene, I thought it was really great. Quick thinking on Joel's part 
to let Victor choose his own tie. Yes. When he realized Julia was going to pick the suit. I'm like, good, that's a very dad move. And then to have a matching one. Oh, like my God. That oh. was so cute. And, like, it was perfect. The way that Julia was trying to micromanage the day and everyone's outfits and have everyone look perfect. What made them look perfect was that stupid tie, you know? And the fact that she and Sydney were also wearing matching outfit. Did you notice that? They were both wearing blue I dresses. Didn't. Yeah. So it's like the girls matched and the boys matched. It was so cute. Oh. Yes. Well, speaking of so cute, here is a scene that looms large, like legendarily large in my mind for Jolo Maradueña's epic cuteness. <laughs> I actually remember you telling me about this scene and I enjoyed it so much more because I was remembering you sort of acting it out to me. I, oh. I love it. I'm sorry. Are you okay? Yeah. I'll, I'll pay for it. Just how, how much is it? I told you to be careful. It's and expensive. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, you don't have to pay for it. No, no. Let's just, let's just, how about this? Let's just go back to the no football in the house rule. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So you're not gonna change your mind about adopting me and like not have the ceremony? No. Okay. I'm never gonna change my mind. Okay. Okay. I want you to stick around. Okay. Uh, oh, it just, okay, the moment which won't come across in audio the moment that really melts my heart, just cuteness wise, is his second okay when he cheers up. Like the first one is sort of like, okay, okay. <laughs> and then that, his face on that second okay, oh my gosh, he's precious. Yeah. But watching this again this time after all of our discussions, and especially with our discussion with Tanika last week, yes, I found actually so much more meaning in this scene than I had initially. It felt like this scene was a model of how Julia should have handled the bat incident. Yes. In this scene, she hears a loud crash. Victor shouts, I'm sorry. I mean, maybe it's a way, maybe it's a model for how he should have handled it too. Yeah. But he's a child. Yes. <laughs> the first thing she asked him was, are you okay? Yes. That's what a parent should ask when there is a loud shatter. Is everyone okay? <laughs> is yeah. everyone okay? And then what Tanika said about, you know, if I do something bad, will I get sent away? I mean, she said even when she was in college and waiting for college to end and her parents to adopt her then, she's an adult. Yeah. And she still felt like, well, I better mind my P's and Q's. How could you not feel that way? I, I couldn't believe that had never occurred to me and and for Victor to actually say it out loud, yeah. are you going to change your mind? Yeah. Oh, poor kid. And she handled it exactly right. No, I'm never going to change my mind. I thought it was perfect on her part. Yeah. And, and you know, I actually think my favorite line that she says is, I want you to stick around. Because yeah. I really loved the softness and sort of the casualness of that. Like, it was a really good pairing with I'm never going to change my mind, which is much more serious, which, you know, maybe it was he needed to hear both. But the I want you to stick around is really affectionate. And it's really yeah. like we don't even need to make a big deal out of it because 
obviously I'm not going to change my mind. You know, it was, it was that stability that like, oh, okay, I can totally count on this. It was like a lack of drama. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. a great point. And these are big feelings and emotions for anyone to deal with. And maybe it was a nice way of putting it on a level he could really understand. Yes. Yeah. I want you to stick around. Yeah. Ugh, it was just great. And I'm so glad Sometimes I think little moments are bigger than grand gesture statements, you know, like you are the light of my life and I could never, <laughs> you know, just, I want you to stick around. I, I like that more, you know, that's yeah. just really beautiful to me. Another beautiful moment in its simplicity, in its kind of unadorned drama was Victor's scene with his sister. Hey, what, what are you doing? Writing a book. What do you want? Um, I want you to come to my adoption ceremony. Why? Because you're my sister. <sighs> Fine. Get it in my room. Okay. Um, looks like she's gonna need a dress. <laughs> I know. Cool. Aww. Um, I had forgotten that that's why it was called Because You're My Sister. I remembered last season it was called My Brother's Wedding. And I thought, oh, well, this time it sort of ends on Julia's big event. And they're all coming to the courtroom because she's their sister. So I had that in my head. And so I didn't remember that Victor said that to her. And when he said that to her, I started crying. I was like, oh, God. Like, it really was so effective. I, I just, the yeah. fact that that was even in the title and somehow I didn't connect it till he said it, I thought, wow, it was a really beautiful scene. And I just loved that, you know, the end of last episode when Julia confirms Victor's adoption. And she says, does that sound good to you? And he says, sure. It's a little anticlimactic, like, you know, you you maybe be hoping for something really demonstrative yeah. and didn't get it. And then even at the beginning of this episode, why do I have to wear a suit? He's not letting on that it means anything to him. And then over the course of the episode yes. that you're seeing, you know, you're not going to change your mind about the ceremony and adopting me. Oh, he really cares. And looks like she's going to need to dress. He wants people to dress up for this. Because yes. it matters to him. Yes. And he's just afraid to let it matter to him. And Oh, oh my God, you're it, so right. Oh. It's all so moving to me and I'm so happy to see it happen. You're reminding me that I'm teaching uh, Pride and Prejudice right now. And at the end, you know, spoiler for you know, a book that's hundreds of years old. But when Darcy <laughs> and Elizabeth get together, my students, a lot of them were very disappointed because we get some great lines from Darcy. And then instead of Elizabeth talking, the like narrator takes over and just says she was very happy, you know, essentially. And they're like, what the hell does she say? They were so mad. And then I'm like, well, don't worry. We're watching the film version and the narrator can't just take over then. She has to speak. And, you know, I've seen this movie 400 times, but I didn't remember exactly what she said. So they're all like, okay. And so then we watched the movie. And he says all these beautiful things that aren't even in the book. They're like made up like, you know, you have bewitched me body and soul. Like that's not in the book, but whatever. Um, and so it's like beautiful. And they're like, okay, okay. And then she like crushes close to him, their faces touching 
the sun behind them. It's beautiful. It's perfect. And she takes his hands and she says, your hands are cold. And my students are like, what the fuck? That's, <laughs> you promised me romance. That's nothing. And I was like, I actually think that's beautiful. It's like a quiet moment. And we know she loves him. She said it to everyone else. She's about to go tell her dad how much she loves him. We're just not seeing it in that moment. And they're like, no, it didn't work. <laughs> they were so mad. But anyway, I bring this up because, yeah, I think what makes storytelling so great is the way that sometimes people can't say in the right, perfect moment exactly what something means to them. Sometimes it's like too big. They they can't, you know, and, and looks like she's going to need a dress. I just thought that was a cute line, Caleb. Not until you just said it did I connect it with, oh yeah, he does want people to dress up. God, that's so sweet. The idea that at the beginning he can't say how much it means to him, that's beautiful. I love that. And I don't know if that makes sense in in your head the way it does with mine with connecting it to the Pride and Prejudice story, but I do think we expect things to look a certain way. We want the big sweeping romance or we want this or that, but I like quiet. I've established this yeah. by now. And that that I thought it was just so well played the whole episode. Everything he said got me. The judge who officiates the adoption is played by Alan Blumenfeld who was the rabbi on Gilmore Girls. Gilmore, Gilmore Girls, Girls Alert! <laughs> I gotta tell you that I found that out because on my second watch for, for the podcast, I was like, I know him. It's bugging the shit out of me. Where do I know him? And it was his voice, I think. I For whatever, I was like, I know that voice. I was not placing it. I don't know why. Uh, because then I was I like, wouldn't have either. Really? Okay. I went to IMDb. I'm like scrolling. I'm like, maybe he was in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Would I remember him from that? But then I get to, oh, a bunch of episodes of yes and he and the priest yeah. were always together and they were so funny together and I, yeah, I always like their sort of running gag of like them being best buds and just sharing the same space for you know both anyway it occurs to so. me now they were a walking joke oh gosh they were weren't they the priest, <laughs> a priest and, the and a rabbi walking to a diner you know the- <laughs> <laughs> they were, weren't they? That's so Amy Sherman Palatine. Gosh, that really hit us um, about a decade and a half late, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> but I, I wouldn't have recognized him either. I was just looking up new guest stars to see if they had been on Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. And then I saw all of his credits on Gilmore Girls. And then when I saw him, this was even before I watched the episode. So then I was like, oh, yeah, he does ring a bell. But if I hadn't done that. I would have been exactly the same. I would have thought, don't I know him from somewhere? Yes. And I would not have known where at all. Yeah. It's so funny because like, you know, Dr. Bedslow was just in one episode of Felicity and I immediately was like, Felicity. And I would say I know Gilmore Girls as well as Felicity. Those are probably my, you know, two favorite shows. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. That just... Dr. Bedslow played such a pivotal part in the very last episode of Felicity. And he was, you know, the the, the judge slash rabbi was always just sort of like in the background. He wasn't like a major. Yeah. yeah. And also Alan Blumenfeld is just such a chameleon. Yeah. <laughs> just vanishes into every role. He vanishes into every role. I thought he was great in this, actually. like He it, was great here. I, I thought this maybe is the schmaltziest scene <laughs> we've had on Parenthood up to this point. Wow. I didn't mind at all. I was grinning like an idiot through yeah. the whole thing. Aww. All right, uh, so Joel and Julia Graham. Yes. Yeah, hi. That's, yes. So now you understand that by signing this adoption agreement form, you agree to uh, take care of Victor... 
as your own legal child, right, to provide for his health, his welfare, his educational needs? We do. Yes, Your Honor. Okay. Victor, do you understand? Do you agree to this adoption? Yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> All right, well, then, unless anyone has anything to add, I'm ready to make it official. <clears throat> Your Honor, yes, if I may. Mm -hmm. As grandparents, my wife, Camille, and myself will do the best we can to, uh, to give Victor what we've given our own children, which is our undying love and support. And also, being a baseball aficionado, uh, okay. I would like to teach him the art of fielding the hot grounder. <laughs> okay. But hey, that can wait till later. And... Uh, Your Honor, I'm sorry, if, if I may, I'm Adam Braverman. I'm Zeke and Camille's oldest son, and I promise to be your uncle. Listen, your, your Aunt Christine and I are no substitute for your stellar parents, but we promise to be there for you no matter what. You can always come to me, Victor, if you need help, and I promise I won't rat you out to your mom. I can give you dating advice. Oh, and then I can help repair the terrible damage that her dating what is this? advice does. Okay. I, I, I'm willing to teach you how to ride a motorcycle and play an instrument. Oh, your girl so troubles cool. will vanish immediately <laughs> once you know those two things. Yeah. And you can come to my house anytime. We can play Xbox, and you can sleep over and stuff. Now that you're adopted, you can officially hold my lizards. Okay. <laughs> I promise to love you, buddy. Yeah. No matter what. Me too. Okay. Okay. It's quite a family you're coming into. All right, on this day, January 24, 2013, Joel and Julia Graham have officially adopted Victor Graham. You're now legally their child. You have all the rights of any natural child. Okay. I will hereby sign this order confirming the adoption. All right. Oh my God. It's just beautiful. And I loved, I mean, you said it while we were listening. I love Victor just repeatedly saying, okay, because it would have to be overwhelming, I think. Yeah. To be in that room and be the center of attention and have all that focus on you. Just kind of take it one step at a time. Okay. He's just okay. processing. Yeah. Everyone loves me. Okay. 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 Oh. I know. It was beautiful. And I didn't mind it at all either if it was schmaltzy. And there were there were a few moments that I just like had questions, like when Sydney says "Me too," <laughs> and that's about as enthusiastically as she says it, which I think I like <laughs> actually. Let's not lay it on too thick. I wondered, does she mean it? I, th I think she does, or is she just swept up and everyone else is on board? Sydney, you also need to get on board. Right? Did that <laughs> teach her a lesson in that moment? Like he is part of the family, and, and you you said earlier. He's not part of the family. No ceremony is going to change that. But after hearing that, how could she argue that a ceremony wouldn't change it? Listen to that. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Thanks. Something you said earlier occurred to me while listening to this scene again, when you said, you know, Amber didn't go into detail about the car accident. Yeah. Zeke's conversation and all that stuff. But we knew it. Mm -hmm. And so we knew what it really meant. For Zeke to say that he would teach Victor mm. something about baseball. Yes. When we know from having spent time with this family that baseball is like their religion. Yes, literally. <laughs> Whatever you think of that, it indicates what kind of value Zeke places on that. That's not a frivolous thing he's promising to do. It's actually kind of a profound thing yes. that he's promising to do and and it makes something very small actually very huge. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that so much. 
actually my much less profound (laughs) (laughs) observation was when he said, you know, January 24th, 2013, I thought, oh, it has been a month um, for her and Ryan because their fight was on Christmas. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's also been a month that Sarah's been with Hank, I guess, because that's when they got together as well. Huh. Just interesting. Just noting it. Yeah. But yeah. I thought it was interesting that his adoption date was after the air date of Whoa. this episode. That is. We're adopting you in the future. By just two days. Yeah. Well, that is weird. That doesn't make sense. I mean, is that how long this episode took? Mm. What Were we like joining it on the day that it began and then two days later was his ceremony? Maybe. I could see that. You know, Parenthood Pals listeners, I have failed you because these are the kind of details I should be <laughs> keeping track <laughs> but of. But how could you and know? I, and now after two hours, I just don't have the... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we give you a lot, listeners. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like... If this isn't enough, maybe it'll never be enough and maybe you need to look... into that issue in yourself why are you never satisfied yeah you obviously have wonderful taste you like us (laughs) (laughs) and speaking of which please write us a review (laughs) all right well it was a great end to a great season yeah the final montage felt like the patented parenthood Will we come back or won't we? <laughs> yeah. Season or series finale. Yes. But it was terrific. Eddie Vedder. I love Eddie Vedder. It was like so beautiful. Yeah. Who you really... saw with Glenn season Hansard. four guest star Glenn Hansard. You're right. I did. Yes. Now, Parenthood was not renewed for a fifth season until the end of April mm. 2013. And this, like we said, this aired in January. So we waited. I remember, I mean, I remember those months of, oh my God, did I just see the last episode of Parenthood ever? Poor Sarah. coming back. (laughs) And you don't even find out, yeah, it's coming back. I mean, because even then when you find out it is coming back, you still have to wait. Yeah. But it was renewed and it was renewed for a full 22 episode season. We got that in store for you, pals. Yeah. (laughs) Season five is going to be a long one. And the arc of Parenthood is almost symmetrical in its yeah. episode count. It goes 13, 22, 18, 15, 22, 13. So just these middle two, three and four that don't have any other seasons true. as long as they are. That is so interesting. But it, I remember always loving the finales. Like I, I really did think pretty much all of them could have served as a series finale. And I'm glad that they didn't. No spoilers for the actual series finale, but I think there is a difference between what a parenthood finale looks like when it can serve as either and a parenthood finale <laughs> when it's like the end, you know, and, and as emotional and wonderful as all of these were. I think it's one of my favorite finales ever. We'll see if I'm remembering that correctly, I guess, when we get there. But I don't need to get ahead of myself. It's very exciting to still have two seasons left. Yeah, this was one of my favorite season finales. This one felt like the happiest one. Yeah. Because even in previous ones, you know, season one had Amber running away because of all the Steve stuff. And that had to get resolved. So there was still real anguish in that. And season two was... Amber almost died. Yeah. And season three was... Crosby and Jasmine started it broken up and that had to be patched up. And of course that was very joyous, but oh no, season three was the wedding. 
So maybe that was just it. Oh, but they break up with their significant others at the beginning of the same That's episode. True. And Sarah had the, she broke up with Mark. And Ugh. anyway, this was like, you know, Gwen has cancer again. I guess Sarah's storylines again were sad. It was sad to see yeah. Mark go through that. And then for Sarah to, I did still feel bad for Sarah that she ended up with no one. Yeah. But other than that, it was just like good news after good news. Yeah. We're having a baby. I don't have cancer. We're back together. I got into <laughs> college. I'm a part of the family. I have a sister? No, that's do you remember that little <laughs> yeah. Caesars commercial? <laughs> that's no. <laughs> there was this commercial. It was my favorite ever for a long time. And it was a guy. It was a guy who I was having like the best day and he was just walking along and he was like, My wallet. <laughs> and then he sees a dog who I think is called Buddy, and he's like, Buddy. You're alive. And then a man turns around. I do remember around. that. man turns around and he looks exactly like him. And I said sister before, but I was wrong. It was, I have a brother who was so stupid. <laughs> you can just cut that right out. I even quoted it wrong. But anyway, yeah, just it's good news upon good news. And I'll take it. I would watch the Christina writes an email show. You know, I would. And I would. I, I like it when good things happen to these people. It's really lovely. Yeah. The one sad thing is Mark walking down the hall. I remembered it wrong in my head. I remembered him having like a little resolute smile on his face. Like, I'm going to be okay. But I watched for it. He did not have that smile on his face. He's just dejected. Yeah, he's sad. (laughs) Doesn't understand why she made the wrong choice. Did you have a favorite episode this season? Oh, such a good question. I should have been prepared and I wasn't. I'm going to look through them while you answer. I'm not either. Oh. But well, I've given it. I shouldn't say that. I gave it a little bit of thought. Mm-hmm. I feel like on this rewatch, yes. sort of akin to the way that we said the scenes that made us cry the first time are not the ones that make us cry again, for the most yeah. part. Yeah. I find myself not wanting to gravitate towards the very obvious episodes. I'm more taken with episodes that I didn't remember being so good yeah. that were. And for me, there were two this season that sort of fit that qualification one was 407 together Mm. which i thought was just kind of a random stop on the cancer journey but i thought was wonderful in all of its storylines and very unexpected and not too heavy but still having a lot of substance and then 413 small victories yeah i knew that dealt with the abortion plot line and That one was quite heavy. I thought it was really handled so well and a real showcase for actors who don't get a lot of opportunities to show all that they can do. And it wasn't the only interesting storyline in that episode. It was still every storyline contributed something. So I think I would say one of those two. Those are great picks. I was just like looking back over my notes and I'm like, oh yeah, the Camille-Christina conflict was really, really good in Together. And I think everything was was pretty terrific. And if I remember correctly, that was one of the very few episodes where Sarah didn't have anything going on with her love triangle. And so, (laughs) yeah, I'm grateful for a break from that. Yeah, you know, I think maybe my favorite is One More Weekend With You. Also very good. Lots of drama, but a lot of things were just sort of gearing up. And I don't know, I liked the Amber Ryan thing starting up. And 
I really loved the whole Mark Drew like conflict that was excellent. And even though it was awful to see Christina be so sick, it was very realistic and it was Adam being so kind. And so I don't know, I, I liked a lot of them very much. It was a really strong season, but I felt like that one we were in it. I don't know, lots of good relationship stuff going on. But I don't know. Yeah. And if you were to ask me, like, who is your favorite guest to have on this season? I could not tell you. I, I've loved our guests every season. Yeah. But, man, I really <laughs> felt like everyone had such a great perspective. And it was really interesting to hear everyone's takes. So I kind of also couldn't separate it. Like, I kept wanting as I was going through my notes, I'm like, oh, I should say it was, you know, my husband Mark's episode, or I should say it was Josh's episode or Steven's episode. You know, so many people I enjoyed having on Erica. Oh my gosh, you know, Sally. It was just... Yeah. So many wonderful people and Tanika. Oh God. And so I don't know. It's really hard to, to pick, but for me, it's not even just about the episode itself. It's like these great conversations. So do you still think season three is better than season four? That is a good question. And I don't know if I think it's better, but I liked it more. Season three is my favorite. Good yeah. distinction because I think I agree. And I think I know exactly why. And yeah, it, it's, it's that. Yeah, it's more fun, you know, like it's nice in my mind to see Sarah and Mark dating and for the most part happy and Christina not have cancer, you know, and yeah. and yeah, everything just feels a little lighter and quippier. And I really I loved the Zoe storyline probably as much as I love the Victor storyline. So it was just like a different thing. But yeah, I mean, I think everything that happens in season four is kind of powerhouse incredible. It, it might be the best season of this show, but it's not the easiest one to watch. You know, it's very True. tough. Yeah. Yeah. Is that how you, you felt that way too then? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even the fact that we're saying that when we had such issues with Hank yeah. this time around, and I think legitimate issues, it was still compelling and yeah. I yeah. kind of bought it sat I mean it was watching characters behave in a way I wouldn't want them to behave mm -hmm. but that I could believe they might behave yeah sadly yeah and the fact that it made me so upset I kind of think is a testament to it because you know it's it's not like she was doing something obviously bad that I would have recognized 10 years ago it's not like she's with someone who else with an addiction or you know something like that you know although they do drink a lot but anyway <laughs> um, but yeah just the the subtleties of that of her choosing someone who sort of brings her down instead of lifts her up and someone she can't count on instead of someone she can and just thinking but that really checks out that goes all the way back to season one Sarah and finding that compelling, you know, I really remembered being like, oh, roll my eyes, love triangle. But it really was very rarely that, you know, it was it was much more this idea of like two sides of her views of herself almost represented by these men. And the choice she makes, I think, ultimately reflects on how she sees herself. And that is really interesting. So and that's a great way to look at it, I think, because. I remember getting exhausted with Sarah's love life. Mm -hmm. I just didn't care all that much. And I often found her more compelling as a character when she was viewed through the lens of a parent mm -hmm. rather than a love interest. But I think to have that perspective on it, that it's not just about who am I going to be with, but what that choice says about her. Yeah. It's almost who am I going to be? Yes. Love that. And that's interesting. 
I'm yeah. sad that she would frame that question in her own life as a choice between two men. Yeah. But again, I believe that she might do that. I think a lot of people do that, you know? Definitely. Define themselves through their relationships. And yeah, absolutely. Did you have favorite moments or favorite like... Um... Okay. Yeah, <laughs> there <laughs> it is. Yeah, that is that's perfect. <laughs> Not in the whole season. But... <laughs> it's really good. Oh, gosh. I mean, I don't even know. I was going to ask if you have a favorite character from this season. I think it's Amber for me. I've said Amber before, but I really mean it this time. Like, she's just yeah. fantastic. All the stuff with Ryan is so good. And then when they're broken up and she's sort of in the background of these episodes, her just growth is incredible. And actually, if I had to pick a second person, it might be Drew. Like, just yeah. his reaction to everything was just um, amazing. And I just, I continue to be in awe. Like, Sarah, if nothing else, raised the hell out of some kids. You know, they are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I would be remiss not to mention Monica Potter. Oh, she carried yeah. such a load this season and she really did do a fantastic job. Yeah. She seems like the obvious answer. But as we've said, Christina was not always my favorite character. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I ended up liking her more. Well, here's a moment that I loved in Together. When she calls Adam on the phone yes. and says, I just want to have the reaction I'm having and I just want to eat sugar and I just want to hold my baby and I can't be myself because your mother is here. And then she says, I'm not mad. I'm just having a moment. Yeah. That's so relatable. And to a character I don't always yeah. <laughs> relate to that yeah. much. And I loved that from her. Me too. And it's also making me realize how much different it would be if you just flip it around and it's Crosby being like, oh, I just can't be myself because my mother-in-law is here. You know, I'm just not comfortable. So instead he just like bites her head off. You know, it's just funny the difference. Like yeah. Christine is so respectful and handles that with such grace, even though I think it's probably bugging her to have her mother-in-law over more than it's bugging you know, Crosby to have his. And there's a reason what, why we're gravitating to that moment. And we just kept rolling our eyes at Crosby. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's, that's a lot of good in-law moments this particular yeah. season. Another good moment that comes to mind is when Max is asking Amber what it means to be grown up. Oh, yeah. That was a really special scene that didn't have an obvious conflict driving mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But still felt very alive to me and Mm -hmm. Like we were just had a little window into these two characters interacting. And yeah. Was, I loved it. I really think a big part of why I named my favorite episode as being the one it is, is I think that was the one where Amber and Ryan go to that funeral. And I really thought there were some beautiful moments there. Just the connecting that they, that they do. And, oh, I, I gotta say probably one of my favorite moments was, um, Amber breaking up with Ryan, like just the, yes, the absolute courage that must have taken. And she just chooses herself essentially, at least, you know, until a month goes by, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I've got my fingers crossed. Well, can we name our least favorite storyline from this season? Three, two, one. Bending machine. Yes. Oh my God. Who gives a shit? I think even more than Santa. I, the, uh. yeah. Although I will say they didn't really get anything good out of the Santa storyline. 
but it only lasted for one episode. Yeah. They did get some good things stemming from the vending machine storyline. Max getting signatures, Max having to go to a dance. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Oh, that's a beautiful moment. Them dancing, you know, like, oh, okay. But the actual, you know, the hub that all those spokes (laughs) shot off from was not a hub I was all that invested in. And it was a season long arc. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy town. But yeah, I don't know. This was... This was wonderful as as always. And, you know, I love I love having the guests. But, man, I do. I look so forward to this. This did not disappoint. It was very yeah. fun. Yeah. Let's do it again in season five. OK. OK. Oh, <laughs> you know, you did it. Uh, yeah. I did she it. Guys, she even best. did the little look down and then look up. Look up. It was Frightened. great. Thank you. Thank you very much. I will also say this just as a little tease to our listeners. I feel like my memory of seasons five and six is significantly worse than seasons one through four. And I'm sure there will be moments that pop up where I go, oh, oh, oh I remember this. Yeah. But if, I mean, if you ask me what happens in the first episode of season five, not a clue, not <laughs> a clue. I have no idea. What are the big storylines in season five? I don't remember. Yeah. I, no. Oh, I, re- I remember one. I remember one. Okay. I won't reveal I, here. I remember one at least. Oh, no, I remember two. Okay. Mm, yeah. All right. I'm actually, now that I'm like making myself remember, I'm a little excited and a little nervous. So Ooh. tune in to find out uh, yes. what we think. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh, how will you sleep until it happens? We're taking a little break between seasons as we do. So yeah. we'll, we'll miss you. I hope you miss us. Please do you know, stay in touch with us. We love getting emails. We love, we love getting ratings and reviews. It really does mean so much to us and, um, just hearing from you. So we're on parenthood pals everywhere. Come find us. Tell a friend about the podcast and then have your own discussions about our discussions. You can call yourself. That's narcissistic. No, but the parenthood pals pals. (laughs) 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 The hall of mirrors. (laughs) Tell your friend to go to www.parenthoodpals.com. <laughs> there it is. To find all the info they could possibly want or need about our podcast. That's right. We sincerely do thank you for listening. We make this with no expectation that anyone ever hears it, which I'm sure you can tell sometimes. <laughs> so to know that people are and finding comfort or value or entertainment in it is really meaningful. Yes. Yes, it means everything, really. It has perked me up on some pretty sad low days. I'm like, Me oh. too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean it when I say, <laughs> may God bless and keep you always. <laughs> and may your wishes all come five. <laughs> oh. wishes all come true. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Funny story. We were going to have a special guest on to do the Friday night at the luncheonette special on Hulu with us, but... We watched the episode. I actually didn't even watch it. Oh, yet. that's you right. You watched it. I and watched you warned it. Warned me. I was like, 
don't watch it. It's full of spoilers. And we figured out where it will fit in the season. It will be in the middle of season five that it fits. So if you're listening to this before you watch that, because it's listed above episode one. Yeah, it looks like it's the first thing in season five that you should watch on Hulu. And it's not. Oh my gosh, start with episode one, season five, episode one. And then... We'll let you know. We'll record this and release it at the appropriate time. And then it's a fun little special. But if I had never seen Parenthood before, I would have been pretty upset. <laughs> it's full of spoilers. Yeah. All yeah. in good time. We won't steer you wrong. We won't. 